Briefly, we want to let you know that you'll find the most current legislative updates at the end of this program and after the presentations. My name is John Beethan, a friend of Vance, and the men and women who serve our nation deserve our support today, tomorrow, and always. Visit Vance today at vanc.me. This was recorded on December 5th, 2022 at the first Monday meeting, and this is episode 19 with Judy Hernandez, training coordinator, assistant canine support teams. You can get a hold of Jody. You can get a hold of Judy at the show notes where you'll find a phone number and the website. Our next speaker, my goodness, I didn't know the boss could talk. Um, please welcome Judy Hernandez. She's with Assisted Canine Support Teams. Uh, I didn't get a chance to brief you, but you have 10 minutes. You got it. I'll let you know. We'll do our thing. I'll come out here so y'all can see the pup because everybody wants to see the dog. Uh, Hello, everyone. This is Captain. Yeah. Captain uh, just finished up his advanced training in our prison. So we're canine support teams. We provide service dogs for people with disabilities. Uh, and we do that for our veterans at no charge, thanks to a grant. Uh, back my shirt. Pause for wounded veterans. Um, so this grant allows us to provide the dog uh, at no charge to the veterans. So these dogs cost us upwards of $30,000 after two years of training. So they go with a puppy raiser for the first year and a half. We're always looking for puppy raisers. You can have a job, you can have children, you can have a cat, you can have other dogs, and still be a puppy raiser. We provide uh, reimbursement for medical care, so the um, vaccines, uh, things like that. However, the food, uh, the everyday stuff is, is on the puppy raiser. The commitment is about a year to a year and a half. Once the puppy raiser um, receives the dog, they are expected to come at least twice a month to our facility, which is located in, in uh, Marietta, California, to our Saturday classes. So that helps you learn uh, obedience, basic training, socialization. Um, and then they take these dogs everywhere. So you take it to work, you take it to the movies, you take it to a restaurant. And these dogs learn to be in public spaces where their client would go to. Uh, sometimes it's the dentist, some, you know, anywhere that you go. Um, unless it's a, uh, like a surgical room, obviously <laughs> something like that, the dog would not go. Um, so our, our Dogs learn a number of tasks, and they learn the tasks in prison. So once the dog uh, completes their basic obedience and socialization for the first year and a half of its life, it's then evaluated, and they determine whether or not it could go on to advanced training. This is done in our prison. So we have right now three programs in the state of California. We've started the first in the state of California over 20 years ago, and the inmates uh, learn advanced task training. So these are teaching the dogs uh, commands that we call tug and nudge. Those can be uh, tug with a handle on the door to tug a door open, uh, a drawer, a cabinet. It could be giving the command tug to take a sock off, to pull a sweatshirt off. So somebody who is a paraplegic or quadriplegic, this could be helpful. Although many of them might have AIDS, if you become overheated or warm and you just want to take your sweatshirt off, um, you know, to have to call upon somebody to do that when you can have your companion. And so if they can lean forward a little bit, the dog can pull the sweatshirt off or pull a sock off. Um, we have quadriplegics who 
maybe the, the arm falls to the side of their chair and they need to go through a doorway, the dog can take the arm and place it onto their lap so that they can enter that uh, passageway safely. Um, retrieving medication, dropped items, um, oftentimes if they have uh, little or no dexterity in their hands, but they still may hold a cell phone, it could drop frequently, or a remote control, or a pen. The dog can retrieve those things without, again, having to call somebody constantly at your side. So they provide a lot of task work. Um, what I'm describing are tasks for somebody with mobility uh, issues, so a wheelchair, or uh, sometimes even with TBI, they have trouble, they don't want to bend over because of vertigo and they could fall. So the dog uh, alleviates some of the, the need for that. When we go into the psychiatric disabilities, that's where we have to really be clear in what tasks we're training the dogs to do. So there's something called, um, come on, Captain, my lap. Um, so, come on, Captain, my lap. That's it. I didn't bring my treats to Laura. <laughs> so, uh, the my lap would be, and I'm not in a chair, it would be across the lap, and the elbows going specifically between the legs so that they're not hurting the person. Um, and then off. Um, that would be a, what we call DPT or deep pressure therapy. So for someone with PTSD, um, sometimes those help to ground them, help them to start using some other therapeutic exercises, even just uh, petting the dog, counting, um, kind of brings them to the here and now. How much? Okay. Um, so the. Uh, the task training in the prison is really just a win-win-win in every way you look at it. Um, we have a less than 1% recidivism rate. Um, some of our inmates are actually veterans, and they know what can happen when you have untreated PTSD that's not addressed, and sometimes they make choices that are in their best interest. And so this program works really well for them. Uh, some of them have that have uh, gotten out of prison, uh, they have maybe shorter sentences. They're able to get out in the community and oftentimes work with dogs. We have uh, trainers that do training themselves uh, within their community, and then we have a couple dog groomers that have uh, gone out and made their own uh, business out of it. So it's a win-win situation for everybody. Um, and of course, the dog benefits. Um, so once the dog completes the advanced tax training, then we're looking at the veterans and, and clients that we have on the list and throughout that process we're drawing lines so if you're raising a dog and you have a cat in your home and i have a client who has a cat i'm already drawing a line there because i know that this dog was raising a home with a cat or maybe there's uh somebody who has uh, small children and they're concerned how, how is this dog going to be around small children i have a history of that dog with small children so i know but first and foremost we want to look at the tasks that that dog can do. All of our dogs are trained in the exact same tasks. Some score better than others, just like us in school. Some are more science, some are more English, some are, we all have our strengths and our weaknesses, and that's no different with the dogs. So this particular dog is very friendly, uh, likes to solicit for attention, wants to be petted, wants to be loved, and so we recognize that and, and, and we respect that. So this would not do well for a service dog out in public in the sense of we want the dog to really focus on the client, not so much the environment, shouldn't be soliciting for attention. However, we do have what's called a facility dog. Facility dog we place in schools, uh, hospitals, 
police stations, fire stations. So you have people like for our first responders that are maybe struggling with some mental health issues or students, you know, finals week, come pet the dog, <laughs> alleviate that stress. So he loves it. So it's a perfect job for him. Um, so this dog is actually going to be going into high schools. Uh, the puppy raiser herself graduated from a high school and he just kind of fell into that role and loves it. So uh, in a couple weeks, he'll have his team training with that uh, particular client. And she, as a young person, is gonna start her own business, a nonprofit, uh, bringing dogs into their, uh, the high school so that they can you know, have a dog there. Oftentimes, especially with post-COVID, and this goes for adults as well, a lot of us struggle um, with the effects of that. And oftentimes they have difficulty um, expressing that they're having a hard time. Um, so to just go in and talk to someone, it takes a lot. It takes a lot to make that first step. And sometimes having the dog there, it's like, well, it just makes it easier. You know, you kind of come over and, hey, I just want to talk to this dog. But then uh, you see a pamphlet that there's suicide awareness. You see a pamphlet that there's other opportunities to help you and sometimes it's that dog that connects and makes that bridge so we're we're happy to be a part of that um two, more, two more minutes okay <laughs> uh, and then so i want to make sure there's time for any questions so i'll okay. open up to questions uh, what's the wait list like? our wait list uh for veterans is a little bit shorter so i would say probably in the six month to one year range for for veterans because we've already secured the funds for that yes Yes, so that's our outside certification program. So the dog has to be under three, has to pass temperament test. Any red flags we see, such as uh, snarling, growling, we test them um, around other dogs, make sure that they're appropriate and they can start, and it's a conditional exception. So if somebody had a dog and I said, yes, pass the temperament test, but you would be tested throughout the whole six months of that training process. And if at any time that dog displays anything um, that wouldn't be acceptable, we have to cut the dog from the program. Any other questions? I have one. Yes. Um, the process in enrolling in- I brought a process it. sheet and uh, essentially what you would do is on our website, we have our application. Um, you can also use the QR code to uh, find the application as well that's on the sheet that I'll be passing out. You fill out the application. Part one, you fill out. It's your personal information. Part two, your position fills out. Uh, if you're a veteran, we need a copy of your DD-214, so that acknowledges that you, were a, that you are a veteran. Uh, statement of disability, you get that from your doctor as well. And then lastly, we ask for a uh, recent photo of yourself and a, just a quick autobiography. So that helps us put a name to a face. And because the process is you know, six months plus, uh, we need to kind of continue to look at that and see what dogs would match with this person. Um, yes? Do, uh, where do the puppies come from? So uh, this particular dog was donated. Um, somebody had a litter of puppies and said, I want to give them all to you. So we took them all. Um, these are our alcohol pups, we call them. <laughs> yeah, we're at part of COVID, so the, his name's Captain. He's got a sibling named Morgan. There's Bailey, there's Champagne, there's Spritz. Uh, yeah, it, that was the, um, the sponsor. We, you can pay money to donate, and you get the name, name rights. And so. 
Sponsor with uh, rescues? We do. Animal Friends of the Valley is our local shelter, so we've gotten, we commit to a certain number of dogs. Right now we have uh, three from them. Uh, one was recently career change. There's never failures, so they career change. So they become pets. Last question. How do you uh, help the separation from the puppy trainers when they have to give up something? So we have a phrase here, we, uh, we dry our eyes with a new puppy. <laughs> you just keep doing it. We have people on their 15th, 16th dogs. Uh, I'll be available if anybody has any more questions. I'm out of time and I have a sheet that I'll, you can either pick up or I'll, I'll pass it up. Very well. Thank, Thank you, you so much. much. Thank you, Judy, and thank you, Captain. I think Captain was paying more attention than me. <laughs>